Welcome to Columbus Perspective, a weekly public affairs presentation of The Fan. I'm Dave James. In a moment, I'll talk with Scott DeMauro, president of the Ohio Education Association, about a number of topics. In the second half hour, Kate Burdett talks with Major Tricia Brennan with the Salvation Army of Central Ohio about their efforts during the holiday season. And I'll wrap up the hour talking with Dwayne Casares, CEO of Directions for Youth and Families. We'll discuss setting New Year's resolutions. First up on Columbus Perspective on the phone with me, Scott DeMauro, who is the president of the Ohio Education Association. How are you doing? Doing well, Dave. How are you? Good. Thanks for talking to us. Tell us about the Ohio Education Association. The OEA represents nearly 120,000 educators from across the state. We have members in all 88 counties. Uh, Our members are teachers in our pre-K through 12 schools, uh, higher education faculty members, Uh, We also represent a lot of education support professionals like bus drivers and school secretaries, food service workers, you know, all the adults who make education possible for our students. And between being president and vice president, you've been there a decade now, right? (laughs) Yeah, uh, my hair's a little grayer than when I uh, started. Uh, My my background, I'm I'm a high school social studies teacher, spent most of my career teaching in the Worthington schools outside of Columbus. Uh, but, yeah, this is my uh, my fifth year as president of OEA, and, and uh, I've been a full-time officer for about 10 years. That's great. And so uh, before we get into some of the specifics about what OEA is uh, looking at these days, obviously this is split down the middle by the pandemic, which changed everything in the world. But looking back on it, how do you view OEA and its role? Has it changed dramatically in the last 10, 12 years? Yeah, I think the the challenges have definitely changed, uh, and the pandemic was was something that none of us ever could have predicted. Uh, introduced all kinds of uh, you know new issues into the education system, uh, but fundamentally, you know, I think our mission uh, has been the same, and it's and it's really about two things. It's about advocating. Uh, for our members, uh, you know, and that means their working conditions, uh, advocating for, you know, competitive pay in order to attract and retain uh, caring, qualified people in our classrooms, uh, and making sure that educators have the dignity and the respect and the support they need uh, in order to do the important work they do with students. Uh, But ultimately, it's about lifting up public education and the success of kids. You know, close to 90 percent of Ohio students attend public schools. Uh, the vast majority of those are served by our members. And, and, you know, everybody I know who is in education made that decision because they wanted to make a positive difference in the lives of kids. And so all our work ultimately is focused on setting our students up for success, you know, and, and a lot of that is making sure that they have the skills so that they can see when they go to college and go into the workforce. Uh, but it's also about engaging students in learning in positive ways so that they become lifelong learners and that they contribute to our society in a positive way. Isn't it interesting how, uh, you know, when it came to constitutional f- funding of, of schools in Ohio, that the disparities still can exist with computers and, and all that sort of really important stuff. And it kind of started with not enough chairs in a way, you know. I mean, it, it's just amazing how... Everything evolves over time, and now we've got all these tools in the classroom, and yet it's still a very challenging situation. 
Yeah, what the, and you and I have talked about this before. The, what the pandemic did is it put a spotlight on a lot of inequities that have long existed in the system. In a lot of ways, it made it worse. Uh, and one, one good example of that is in technology. Uh, you know, when everything shut down in terms of in-person learning, uh, you know, those districts that had the resources uh, to be able to, to continue online learning uh, saw tremendous success. And, and while it was frustrating and while everybody was happy to get back to, to the way things were before, um, you know, they were able to, to continue that. But, but you had large stretches of our student population where they just didn't have uh, online access. They didn't have the tools that they need and the, and the resources that they needed. And the students coming from families, you know, especially families in poverty, where they didn't have the parental support that they needed, uh, really struggled as well. One, one of the, you know, and I'll, I'll just say, coming out of the pandemic, we've seen tremendous growth. Uh, there was a lot of disruption in learning, but, but by and large, uh, we've seen really significant positive gains uh, in what students are achieving now. Um, but one of the big concerns is that we still have a lot of students who are chronically absent. And if, and if students aren't with us in school, it's hard for them to learn. Talking with Scott DeMauro, he's the president of the Ohio Education Association. What about uh, new initiatives or, or things that are happening with OEA? big thing that, that we're working on right now is uh, kind of given the, the overall landscape uh, in education, and, and part of this is, you know, just recognizing that education has become increasingly politicized, uh, being used as as a wedge, wedge issue, and we're seeing a lot of culture war attacks, you know, by certain legislators, politicians, uh, and, and nationally. Uh, I think this is an important opportunity for us to lift up the importance of public education and really kind of go back to the basics in helping our members, but, but more importantly, the broader community understand why public education matters. And so we launched in this past year a public education matters initiative, uh, lifting up how and why public education matters. Truly, is, public education truly is the heart of it all when it comes to uh, student success, uh, and the success of our communities at the local level and at the state level. And so uh, in doing that, uh, it, we have been engaging our members, really uh, intentionally asking them what is it that, that put them in a position where they wanted to be teachers or they wanted to go into public education? What are the big issues that they care about? Uh, and then using the feedback that we've uh, received from them uh, to really guide our, our advocacy work and then at the same time, uh, be very intentional about publicly celebrating the success of public education. Uh, earlier this fall, uh, we had Public Education Matters Day uh, in four different communities around the state. We, we were at the Cleveland Zoo and the Toledo Zoo and, and uh, Columbus and Cincinnati uh, for events where we brought members and families together really just to lift up and celebrate the importance of public education in Ohio. It seems like, as you mentioned, there have, have been uh, wedge issues that have uh, popped up, especially in uh, like uh, you know local board races and things like that. And on the other side of that, then, when you've got this tragedy that happened involving the Tuscarawas Valley Schools with that accident and how it brings not just the community together but the entire state 
you know, to realize the tragedy of that and the impact that it has on that community with the loss of students and teachers. And it, it shows that glue that you're talking about between the education system and the public. Yeah, I mean, it, we were all just absolutely heartbroken uh, when we learned the news about that terrible bus crash that uh, took the lives of, by the way, two of the adults uh, who perished in that accident were OEA members, one a teacher in Tuskegee Valley, the other one a, a parent chaperone who also was a teacher at Buckeye Career Center, uh, and then, you know, three students who died in, in that uh, tragedy as well. And I think you're absolutely right, Dave. Um, that was that was one of those times where we're all reminded that, you know, the thing that, that kind of brings us together, uh, and, and we all can relate to this in our own experience growing up, is that school wasn't just a place where you, where you go uh, and you, you know, learn your lessons and, and take your tests and, and, you know, graduate, get your diploma and move on. Uh, school is a place where you really build relationships with your community. I, I still have, you know, lifelong friendships from, from my time growing up. I still am in touch with my first grade teacher. You know, that's the beauty of social media sometimes. But, it, you know, it, it is so important to understand that, Public education is much bigger than, you know, just what we think about happening in the classroom. And unfortunately, um, you know, going back to these, these, you know, culture war political attacks, you know, some have, have decided to try to use this, again, as, as a tool for dividing people, uh, for, you know, using uh, a lot of misinformation to drive distrust between uh parents and schools and 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 a lot of it is really all about pushing a privatization agenda to take resources that that are currently going to serve the 90 percent of kids attending public schools and diverting them to other options and particularly to uh to private school and and you know for-profit charter schools and, and that's just, just really unfortunate not just for kids not just for our members but but for our communities the good news in all this that, that i will just say you know, you mentioned school boards, and, and we saw across the state this year, as was the case two years ago, you know, some some local school board elections that were very contentious, but in 75% of the cases where our members were actively engaged and, and you know, were supporting pro-public education candidates against, you know, extremists who were you know, endorsed by national groups like Moms for Liberty, uh, the pro-public education candidates won. And and I think that uh, is encouraging. Uh, it also points to the fact that we need to continue to stay engaged in our communities, not just in terms of what we're doing with students in the classroom, but, uh, but in the whole political process as well. That whole thing with, and I don't want to dwell on this long because I know that you've got a lot of lot more other things uh, that are pressing as well. But these wedge issues, you know, you could describe some of them as being bomb throwers who are just trying to disrupt the system. And yet there are some issues that parents truly are concerned about, or at least they're hitting a nerve with a pretty substantial number of people. And maybe putting some of those at least into the discussion is worthwhile. Yeah, no, and, and here's the thing. I hope parents will speak up and be actively engaged in their school boards and, and you know, and also volunteer in their PTA or PTO and, and uh, as a teacher, 
uh, you know, I wanted, always wanted more parents to come to parent-teacher conferences and, and uh, you know, communicate with me on the best ways uh, that we could work together to serve students. Um, we've done a lot of research on this, uh, both in-state and nationally, and, and w what we find is that, by and large, you know, the things that, that tend to get the headlines, like the book bans, that's not what parents want. That's not what parents care about. What parents really care about uh, are the same things that educators care about. And at the top of the list is ensuring that our schools are safe mm -hmm. uh, and ensuring that our schools are conducive places of learning for all kids, uh, regardless of race, regardless of gender, regardless of, of how students identify themselves, uh, regardless of, of family income or religion, uh, public schools are unique. And, and what really sets public schools apart from non-public schools is that we have an obligation, we have a duty, a responsibility, uh, and we welcome it to serve every student without exception. And um, I, I think in that sense, educators and parents are completely on the same page. Talking with Scott DeMauro, president of the Ohio Education Association. We'll take a break for a couple of minutes and return with more from Scott. Uh-oh, Brad's buzzed. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's starting with the woots. <laughs> and now a speech. I just want to say that friendship is about heart. Heart and brain. Who's with me? Good thing is, he knows when he's buzzed. And my brain is saying, when it's time to go home, somebody call me a ride. Love that guy. Me too. Know your buzzed warning signs? Call for a ride when it's time to go home. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. No more Frosties and fries? Multiple posts being shared on social media claim the popular fast food chain Wendy's is closing all of its locations. Several Verify viewers texted us to ask if there's any real meat to these claims. So let's verify. A spokesperson for Wendy's told Verify the online claims about the fast food chain closing all of its restaurants are false. So where'd the rumor come from? Appears to have originated from misleading Facebook ads like these, with headlines that say, beloved chains closing their doors soon. The ad links to a January 2023 article posted to za.investing.com that lists more than 100 restaurant chains that it says could be closing some locations. But the article actually says NPC International, Wendy's biggest franchise operator, is actually going out of business. In March 2021, NPC International announced it had sold its Wendy's restaurants and confirmed they would remain open under new ownership. So, Frosty's fans rejoice. We can verify, no, Wendy's is not closing all of its locations. With your verify, I'm Ariande Till. When it comes to a gun suicide attempt, all it takes is a moment. Heather and I had an argument just like any other couple. I was lost. I had snapped. I had a gun, and I was going to take my own life. Heather helped me realize that there was still a life to live for the better of myself, my family. My weapon is now safely put away. A moment of crisis can happen to anyone. Store your guns, locked, unloaded, and away from ammo. Hear more safe stories at endfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by Brady and the Ad Council. This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Back with Scott DeMauro, president of the Ohio Education Association. You mentioned that there are some challenges in public education. I know that among those are teacher retention and just simply staffing levels. Uh, that apparently is continuing to be an issue. It is. Uh, you know, right now, uh, the number of people who are choosing education as a college major uh, is about half what it was a decade ago. 
and you know, in this economy, um, if young people are thinking about their futures, uh, one of the first things that they think about is where am I going to be able to make a living? You know, and you know, certainly people are looking for an opportunity for, for fulfillment. This is where you know, becoming a teacher. I think it's the best job in the world if you're really looking at an opportunity to make a positive difference in the lives of, of young people. Uh, but they got to pay the bills and, and put food on the table, care for their families. And uh, so we're working hard to try to address that pay gap. Right now, uh, coming out of college, educators make on average about 24% less than people with similar levels of education going into other careers. Uh, we're working hard to, to close that gap so that we can attract more qualified people into our profession. And then we have to pay attention to the working conditions in schools. Um, you know, I talked about how everybody's concerned about safety. Um, when you have uh, staff shortages, when, when it's hard to fill positions, then that has a, kind of a negative compounding effect uh, where you end up increasing workloads and stresses and pressures on everybody who is there. Uh, so I, every day I'm talking to teachers who uh, routinely have to give up their planning time, which is so important in order to, to be on top of things and, and be ready to serve their students because they have to cover somebody else's class because there aren't enough substitute teachers. Or in some cases, some extreme cases, we have uh, long-term substitutes who are filling in on a on an indefinite basis uh, because they can't fill uh, teaching positions. Um, so that's a concern, and, and I think the more unified we are uh, in advocating for improved working conditions, smaller class sizes, and a lot of it too is, is the resources to serve the social and emotional needs of our students. Um, yeah, of course we all know what we need to do academically, but you know kids have a lot of other needs, and so having social workers and uh, school counselors and school nurses uh, in our schools to help uh, lift up the needs of our students, I think, is, is important as well. So that, that whole issue of staff shortages is important. There's also a lot of different pieces to that, too, of, of providing people with non-traditional options for coming into the classroom. We're pretty excited about a new apprenticeship program uh, that offers people the opportunity to move into teaching uh, from other careers, particularly people that may have been serving as paraprofessionals or educational aides, uh, that continue working, continue making an income, not have to drop everything to go back to school in order to get that license and, and then come back and teach. Um, so it, that is definitely something that continues to be at the top of our priority list. And when you go through issues like that with, uh, you know, additional pay for teachers and, and whatnot, then you're also back to the age-old issue of, well, that might result in more levies, more higher property taxes. And I know that the state, though, this year did increase funding for public education and also for school vouchers at the same time. Yeah, it was a good news, bad news thing for us. And, and you know, we had a, a, a number of, uh, I think, real positive things that came you know, through our bipartisan advocacy in the legislature, uh, at the top of the list on the good news side uh, was the next phase of implementing the Fair School Funding Plan. Uh, we're not there yet uh, to where we, we feel confident that it's a constitutional system where funding schools is really based on the needs of every student, uh, but we're getting closer. And we saw about a billion dollar increase in funding to public schools this year. Uh, and with that, 
the legislature also increased the minimum teacher salary from 30000 to $35,000. Not where it needs to be, but it's about 80 districts across the state still, you know, saw a direct impact where they had to go back and renegotiate their contracts to, to raise uh, salary levels uh, for teachers. Um, we also had some successes kind of unrelated to the budget. Uh, we were able to advocate for an end to mandatory retention under the third grade reading guarantee. The law had been that if a student doesn't pass a particular test, uh, then the student is required to be held back in third grade. Um, and instead, uh, teachers and parents uh, and you know the other professionals in the schools look at that now as the data point uh, if retention is appropriate, and that's a team decision. They do that, but they don't have to do that under the law, and that's something that we fought hard for. Uh, we also fought successfully to get expanded access to school meals uh, for students who need them in, in our public schools. So those were some positive things. But yeah, on the, on the negative side of the ledger, we saw an unprecedented increase in private school vouchers. Um, you know, and right now, even millionaires uh, can get free money from the state in order to subsidize their decision to send their kids to private schools. And we're seeing this huge increase in voucher applications uh, with the state right now. And all indicators are that almost all of those voucher uh, applications are coming from students already attending private schools. And what's interesting is watching kind of the dynamic of all this, I don't even know that those fam a lot of those families are necessarily paying less for their private school tuition. Uh, private schools are turning around and raising tuition, and, and it's kind of a, a subsidy then, you know, by the taxpayers to the private schools that don't have any accountability back to the taxpayers. So that's a real concern, and so we're going to continue to advocate for improved accountability and, and really um, focusing our, our resources and our attention on public schools where close to 90 percent of our students attend. On the third grade reading guarantee, not making it mandatory to hold a student back who doesn't pass that, is that connected in some ways to mental health issues and things like that? Because that's obviously traumatic for a third grader if they don't move on to fourth grade with their classmates. It, it can be. You know, I was a high school teacher, but uh, I know from my own experience as a parent uh, and, and then talking to my colleagues who uh, teach at the elementary level, uh, test anxiety is a real issue, and, and there are students uh, who, you know, just based on their day-to-day -day performance in the classroom, you know, clearly are able to perform at grade level or even above grade level, uh, but when it comes to that, that test day, uh, for some students, you know, and again, it, it very much relates to anxiety uh, and mental health issues, some students just, just you know, freeze up. And, uh, and and it can lead to even more serious uh, concerns as far as how students feel about school and, and about learning. Um, so, yeah, this notion that um, a student's future isn't determined by a single test on a single day is something that, that we've been saying for a long time. And fortunately, we got overwhelming bipartisan support, uh, especially in the House, in order to change that. So what are some of the other uh, positive things that you're looking at going forward here, Scott, with uh, OEA and for Ohio's education system? Well, we, you know, a lot of our work is uh, organizing our members, you know, to 
around elections we talked about and, and around our, our legislative advocacy, because we know that uh, as much as we don't like <laughs> this uh, or we wish it weren't true, uh, politics does have a lot to do with what happens in schools. Um, the other place that, that we're able to have success is through collective bargaining. Uh, OEA is the largest labor union in the state of Ohio. Uh, and, you know, the way that our members, I think, directly experience the benefit of their membership is, is you know, in the bargaining of their contracts. Because it's in those contracts that salary and health insurance benefits and things like uh, planning time and class size uh, and other working and learning conditions are determined. And we've seen some real successes this year. One, one very noteworthy success was in Youngstown. Uh, doesn't happen very often, but, but sometimes uh, in order to uh, force the issue and, and get the kinds of supports that we need, uh, our members will go on strike. And uh, we had one strike earlier this year that was up in the Youngstown City Schools. And in that case, what they were striking for was really a voice in their working conditions. They had a provision in their contract that was related to a legislative change from about a decade ago that uh, imposed new controls by the state on the district that gave management virtual carte blanche when it came to uh, determining almost everything other than, other than salary and benefits. And uh, in order to address safety concerns, in order to address student discipline, in order to address the transfer and seniority rights and, and a whole host of other things, um, they stood strong and they got this very oppressive management rights clause removed from their contract, which now then gives the teachers of Youngstown more of a voice in their working conditions and learning conditions of their students. And we've seen across the state through uh, effective collective bargaining, um, some real gains, uh, including you know, much more sizable increases in, in salaries than we've seen in the past. Scott DeMauro, uh, President, Ohio Education Association. Anything else you'd like to add? You know, one other thing I would just put, to put the collective bargaining uh, issue in some context. I'm sure everybody's familiar with the United Auto Workers uh, strike that recently uh, settled uh, and just the historic gains that were made with the big three automakers, of course, the screen actors and the, and the screenwriters, and more unionization happening all across uh, the country, Starbucks and Amazon and, and you name it. We're at a moment in American history that I think is unique, and, and given how much the public, I think, is, is feeling unsettled about the economy and really frustrated about a lot of inequality that exists in the, the economy, people recognize that strong unions are the key to building up a strong middle class and, and to, to really giving a voice to workers and, and to creating some sense of uh, equity in the economy. And recent surveys show that, that public support for labor unions is at the highest level since 1965. Uh, I think 71% of Americans in a recent survey uh, expressed support for unions. Uh, and that, I think, has an impact on us because when we talk about the work that we do, the important work in advocating for strong public schools and giving our teachers, our education support professionals a voice, leaning into the fact that we are in, indeed a labor union, which gives us that united voice, 
uh, I think, puts some wind in our sails and, and is certainly something that gives our members who, who feel a lot of frustration some hope that together we can make things better for everybody. You know, the pandemic, it's so uh, interesting that uh, for a lot of people, for office workers, it, it actually made life easier because they spent a couple of years working from home. And yet some industries, and you know, I know I'm going to leave some out, but certainly healthcare, teachers, food service, restaurant workers, it, it made it an almost impossible situation while a lot of the rest of us saw benefits in what was happening. Yeah, I think that's true, and I and I think uh, you know, in looking at the whole issue of remote work uh, in an education context, uh, one thing that that we learned through the pandemic, and this is not intended to second guess decisions that were made, you know, that were primarily driven by public health concerns, but uh, but I think you know, regardless of where you were at any given moment in that debate about masks and and hybrid learning and things like that, I think there's pretty strong consensus that we need kids in the classroom with teachers where they can get the support that they need to be successful. And it also is kind of, we all saw firsthand why, for the most part, virtual schools just don't do very well for the vast majority of kids. You know, so we've got a lot of money that in the charter school system that goes to support these online operations and their performance is just abysmal. And I think it's because there isn't that direct personal support. It may work for a few kids, but, but for the vast majority of kids, it doesn't. So all of that said, uh, it points to the need that, that we need more people. <laughs> you know, we need good people going into education. And it really, it's, it's uh, kind of cliche, but it does take a whole village of educators along with parents, community members, caregivers, uh, to make sure that every single one of our students is successful. Scott, if folks want more info about the Ohio Education Association and, and initiatives and things that are going on there, what do, what do they find out? Well, I encourage you to check out our website, ohea.org. Uh, and we also have a presence on social media, of course, uh, Facebook, Twitter, or X, or whatever you want to call it, Instagram. So encourage uh, you to check us out. Great. Uh, Scott DeMauro, President, Ohio Education Association. Thanks again, as always, for your time, Scott. Great talking to you, Dave. You deserve the peace of mind that comes with affordable health insurance. Get Covered Ohio can help at no charge. Financial assistance is available and coverage is more affordable than ever. Some health insurance plans are as low as $10 or less a month. Don't wait. Open enrollment ends January 15th. Make your free appointment today by calling 833-628-4467 or visit getcoveredohio.org. This message is supported by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, but does not necessarily represent the official views of the U.S. government. Sponsored by the Ohio Association of Food Banks, aired by OAB and this station. Parenting is hard. Technology can make it harder. The family media plan developed by the American Academy of Pediatrics helps make it easier. Go to healthychildren.org forward slash media plan to create the media plan that's right for your family. Whether you make a full plan or just choose a few parts that matter the most to your family, HealthyChildren.org forward slash media plan is an easy to use tool that will help your family set media priorities and create healthy digital habits in line with your family's values. You'll also get practical tips to help make the plan work. And you can come back to revise your plan as often as you need to, like at the beginning of each school year or during summer and holiday breaks. Raising kids in the age of screens is easier when you have a plan. 
go to healthychildren.org forward slash media plan and make your plan today. A mystery illness is causing some dogs across the country to develop pneumonia. And in rare cases, it can lead to death. Multiple verified viewers, including Joe and Francis, asked us whether the illness can also spread to cats and humans. To verify, we reached out to the American Veterinary Medical Association, multiple state veterinary associations, and health centers across the country. To date, there is no evidence that the mystery illness has been transmitted to humans, according to both the Washington State Department of Agriculture and the University of New Hampshire College of Life Sciences and Agriculture. A spokesperson for the American Veterinary Medical Association says they don't think it's likely dogs could infect their owners. The North Springs Veterinary Center in Colorado has treated around 35 cases of the illness since October. The center's CEO, Dr. Lindsay Ganser, confirmed there is also no evidence that this respiratory pathogen is transmittable from species to species either. So your cats appear to be safe too. So we can verify there is no evidence the respiratory illness affecting dogs can be passed to cats or humans. But according to the American Veterinary Medical Association, since the cause of the illness is still being investigated, it's a good idea to thoroughly wash your hands after handling your or other dogs. With your Verify, I'm Ariande Till. Thinking of buying a home? The Ohio Housing Finance Agency can help. We have programs designed to help make home ownership part of your future. The Ohio Housing Finance Agency's Ohio Heroes, Grants for Grads, and Your Choice Down Payment Assistance programs are all designed to help make purchasing a home affordable. To learn more, visit myohiohome.org. Sponsored by the Ohio Housing Finance Agency, aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. I'm Kate Burdett, and I think we can all agree that every child deserves a toy at Christmas, but unfortunately, not every family can provide that type of Christmas cheer. Enter the Salvation Army of Central Ohio and enter to our show today, Major Trisha Brennan from the Salvation Army of Central Ohio. She's joining us today to talk about the Christmas cheer program that the Salvation Army runs every year at this time and the Big Ten TV toy drive. That's something our sister station also does to pitch in. And that'll be coming up here on Thursday. We're going to learn more about that as well. Major Trisha, hi there. Thank you so much for joining us today on Perspective. Hello, Kate. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I know you're very busy this time of year. Is is this, would you say, a busier time than most of the rest of the year for the Salvation Army here in Central Ohio? This truly is the busiest time of year for the Salvation Army. (laughs) For those who may be unfamiliar, um, can you give me a little bit of history, a little bit of background about the Salvation Army, how it got started, and for what purpose? Sure. So the Salvation Army became um, prominent in London, England. It was started by William and Catherine Booth in 1865. William Booth was actually a Methodist minister, and he was convicted um, to serve those that were considered um, sometimes unservable. So he had a real heart for those that were in the 
thralls of addiction, whether it be alcohol or drugs. You know, certainly in the 1800s, there was a lot of trafficking going on, both in labor and in the sex trade. And William Booth had a real heart for the homeless and those that wouldn't necessarily come into a church because of their condition. So it was his and Catherine's uh, goal to go to the people um, and serve them that way and try and meet their most basic needs first, as well as introducing them uh, to a relationship with God and Jesus Christ to help get their lives back on track. And here we have the Central Ohio chapter of the Salvation Army. Um, Major Tricia, for how long have you been doing the Christmas cheer program here? We have been doing the Christmas cheer program here for over a decade now. Um, The Salvation Army has been in the Columbus area since 1885 and has been serving this community since that time. And the Christmas cheer program, does that focus primarily on children or are you providing for other needs families may have? The Christmas cheer program focuses on the family. So certainly there is the toy component, which is the more fun part, you know, when we have our toy drives and the gift giving and the gift shopping that the parents are able to do. But we also have our red box component, which is the meal portion. So the entire Christmas cheer program has the red box program, which will give a family the entire Christmas dinner with all the fixings, including items for Christmas breakfast and a game that they can share around the table. And certainly then there is the gift portion for the children to have to open up on Christmas Day. And that is, of course, like you said, kind of the more fun part. And it really is already underway. There are collection points all over Central Ohio right now where they are available to collect New unopened toys, not wrapped either, for children in the community that would otherwise go without. You can find those collection points all over Uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, Blue Line Stores, Ohio Health Chiller Ice Rinks, Safe Harbor Retirement Group Offices, uh, Reichert Automotive Locations, and Central Ohio Walmart Stores all have those collection points. So I would urge anyone listening right now who wants to kind of get into the holiday spirit by giving to someone that may go without. I think this is a great time to do that. What a wonderful lesson to teach kids at this time of year, too. I know a lot of parents try to incorporate more generosity into the holiday time to to teach the little ones, and it's never too soon, I don't believe, to teach the little ones that there's people that, that need our help. Right, Tricia? Absolutely. There is no gift too small, really, when it comes to helping our neighbors in need. And the sooner we can bring our children along to experience that, you know, giving back to someone that might need something, um, that will really carry them through to adulthood. And certainly, we're always going to have those individuals in need in our communities. And so we need other members of our communities with the means to just come alongside them and help them during those tough times. And Major Tricia may sound and look familiar to some who are viewers of our sister station, 10TV, because uh, she's always a prominent figure during the big 10TV toy drive, which is coming up on Thursday the 7th. It starts bright and early at 7 a.m. and goes till 6.30 p.m. here at the 10TV 
um, building. It's on Twin Rivers Drive right next to the main post office. And all you have to do is drive by. You don't even have to get out of the car. And our helper elves here will assist in getting those toys unloaded and en route to the right place. Um, Major Tricia, what can you speak to about the the giving spirit of Central Ohio and what you've witnessed during the toy drive and the Christmas cheer program over the past few years? We've been here almost four years now, um, moving from our last appointment in New York. And I can tell you that I have been incredibly humbled each and every year by the tremendous generosity and the tremendous joy of giving that we've experienced here in central Ohio. As I said before, the toy drive is incredibly fun. You know, the the spirit of Christmas is truly very high that morning and throughout the afternoon as folks pull up in their cars. Some people drive up on their bicycles. We've even had some individuals walk their toys to us um, because they just want to give back to those that need it. And certainly um, it is truly as I said, a a humbling and encouraging thing to see when folks come together to try and make a difference and to really come alongside those that that just don't have it this year. Things happen. And so when we have individuals that'll step up and and take care of those that just can't this year, um, they, they make a difference for the entire family, not just the child receiving the toy. Absolutely. And Honestly, none of us know from day to day, year to year, what might happen and what circumstances we may find ourselves in through, you know, very unexpected, you know, situations. So it really is important to remember at this time of year, maybe one less present under your tree is going to mean the world to a local child. Of course, you're also probably going to hear and see the Salvation Army bell ringers. They're out and about starting now, right? Pretty much, right, Tricia? Yes, our bell ringers are out and doing what they can to collect the donations that we need to run our programs all year long. And a little, just a little bit, if you can, on on the year long, because obviously we're talking about the holidays, but you're describing kind of providing basic needs for people that really don't have them throughout the year, aren't you? Absolutely. We have programs and services that we run all year long, uh, whether it be our food pantries, um, sometimes it's housing and support for our homeless families and veterans. Certainly we have our learning centers where we offer after school help. There are meals during our summer programs and after school programs that we provide. So all year long, the need is there. And this time of year, when you see us ringing the bell, is our most important and crucial fundraising time to support those programs. If you'd like more information on how you can give to the Salvation Army, how you can participate in the Christmas cheer program, or perhaps come by the toy drive on Thursday and drop off some Christmas cheer. You can go to SalvationArmyUSA.org or you can go to 10TV's website. That's 10TV.com. All of that information is there. We love to see the the celebration, the excitement, and, and the cheer that uh, comes from all over Central Ohio to help out the Salvation Army and their Christmas cheer program during the toy drive and other times. And Major Tricia Brennan of the Salvation Army of Central Ohio, we thank you so much for what you're doing and for your time today to tell us more about these programs. 
thank you for this opportunity to share. You won't be sorry if you come out to the 10 TV toy drive. It is a tremendous amount of fun and you will be blessed for helping someone else. Could not have said it any better. Thank you so much, Major Tricia Brennan. And thank you for listening to Columbus Perspective. I'm Kate Burdett. Still to come on Columbus Perspective, tackling New Year's resolutions. I'll talk with Dwayne Casares, CEO of Directions for Youth and Families here in Columbus. One in four Americans today are living with a disability. I'm one of them. I care deeply about creating a world we can all fully participate in, free from stigma, misperceptions, and barriers. And we've got a trusted ally on our side, an organization we can rely on, Easter Seals. Rooted in communities nationwide, Easter Seals helps empower millions of people, regardless of age or disability, through its life-changing services and powerful advocacy. Today and every day, Easter Seals is leading the way to full equity, inclusion, and access to health care, employment, and education for people with disabilities, families, and communities. That's my Easter Seals. Make it yours. Learn more and get involved at EasterSeals.com. The YMCA is just a starting line for the true self blooms only when we find our purpose, what makes us tick below the surface. My why is diversity in unity, a safe space in my community, living with sincerity, giving every day my everything. With my why, I stand strong, seen and supported all along. It's a million faces in a mirror and everyone belongs. Find your why. Learn more at YMCA.org for a better us. Like all the houses lie neatly together in a row. Or your neighbor, Miss Rita, who always waves at you when you drive down the street. Or that movie theater in the strip mall that might look a little worn down, but has the best popcorn you've ever tasted. One thing might be a little harder to notice because somewhere tucked in that neat row of houses is hunger. It could be your next door neighbor or your coworker or your daughter's friend from school, because over 30 million Americans don't know where their next meal is coming from. Hunger lives in neighborhoods all around us, but it doesn't have to. Together, we can provide a billion meals by 2030, because everyone should be welcome at the table. Learn more at nourishingneighbors.com. Let's break the cycle of hunger, together. This is Columbus Perspective on Sports Radio 97.1 The Fan. Hi, this is Dave James, and joining me in the studio is Mr. Dwayne Casares. He is the CEO of Directions for Youth and Families. How are you doing, Dwayne? I'm doing good, Dave. How are you? Good. Thanks for talking to us. Tell me what Directions for Youth and Families is. Uh, we're a private nonprofit social service agency. We offer counseling, uh, mental health services, case management services to uh, children, to teens, to their families, um, to anybody. Well, here we are. It's Christmas. Uh, There's another big holiday coming up. In fact, I guess for some people, you could even argue when it comes to self-improvement or building self-esteem, that kind of thing, that it might even be a bigger holiday in a sense. Uh, Yeah, it can be. Many people uh, um, target New Year's Day for many new beginnings, and, Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and that can be a very good thing and very positive thing. 
as we approach it, uh, is it a good time maybe to, you know, if, if you're planning on uh, not smoking anymore, you know, five packs a day until I come out, until I get out of this. Or oh, yeah, that's it's time to step it up, Dave. You know, if, <laughs> if you're going to get a, give it away, then, you know, you, you got to make sure you get it all in. No, actually, you don't want to start creating different patterns leading up to something, particularly if you're going to pick, you know, pick some type of resolution that you're going to end up changing. You know, many people do pick, you know, quit smoking. Um, the good thing about that, there's many tools out there to assist you in doing that now. Um, you're, you're, in a sense, you're not just left to, to quit cold turkey. Um, I certainly do think that people, if you're going to have New Year's resolutions, and many people do put them together. Some are pretty heavy. Some of them aren't. Um, I, I think you need to think about them beforehand and plan ahead about them. You certainly don't make it New Year's Eve. I mean, that's going to mm-hmm. these resolutions then are going to be dependent on how you're feeling that day. Or, or uh, um, it's, we have good days, we have bad days. Um, but I, I think you should outline some type of plan and 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 follow that process it really is uh right now i think the, the best time to think about that you've got a few days before it actually hits and and to think about the reality of if you really do want to exercise four times a week and lose 30 pounds in the new year you've got to think about june too not just january <laughs> right and, and and you have to allow yourself to, you know at, at times to uh not quit on yourself and, and actually what you just said is, is a good point too you said exercise and lose weight now these are actually two different goals right yeah, so that's true. Yeah. when you start to look at some of your new year's resolutions you should try to be as specific as possible um to not set yourself up for failure because we can truly set ourselves up for failure just because we have too many things built into that resolution and then when one part of it's working yet the other part's not we may grab out into that negative part and then give up on it or beat ourselves up about it or be down about it or say it's not working so you want to be realistic about what you're doing i mean you're not going to say that if you're not working out or getting in any exercise at all don't start saying i'm my resolution is i'm going to do this seven days a week gradually work towards it your goal may be seven weeks but allow yourself some flexibility understanding that you're going to have to adjust your schedule adjust your time um you know in the beginning you're going to, there's going to be some soreness you're not going to be able to stick up you know to every day and then all of a sudden okay i didn't stick to my plan well then it's easier to give up on it so be planful about it outline it have realistic uh, uh goals or or, or, or uh, benchmarks in it that are truly attainable and keep it simple keep it very very specific I remember last year, too, you were kind of putting an emphasis uh, on some of the positive aspects of don't necessarily make it about weight loss. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but also right. think in terms of maybe volunteering or giving back to people as, as one of your goals. Exactly. I think often when we think about uh, resolutions, we think about restricting things that we're presently doing um, that we want to quit. I, I think you can also balance it on the other side. What are things that you're not doing that you want to try that are, are more positive um, like that? You know what? I'm going to start volunteering at a nursing home or, or um, with Big Brothers Big Sisters. And there's so many volunteer opportunities out there. I'm going to assist somebody in, in reading or, or learning English. Mm -hmm. Um, You can find these anywhere in the community. And and these are good things to take on and a lot of positive benefits uh, you will feel just coming just by participating in that giving process. What about helping others? uh, If you have a sibling or or a parent or a child who really does need to to change something, maybe they're headed health wise for a disaster in the new year. And and maybe they don't even think in those terms, you know. Maybe they don't even think about whether or not they are going to quit smoking. And and you've noticed 
they're coughing more now than they were three years ago. They've got to stop smoking. Yeah, understand that 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 you, your goal can't be theirs. <laughs> um, right. You can't just you know tell you know abracadabra there. My goal is not yours, and and you're going to do as I say. Um, I certainly think that you could talk to them about it and say, hey, if you want help with this, you know, I'm trying to look at some of my New Year's resolutions, and one of them is I, I want to uh, you know assist somebody in something. Um, and I was wondering if maybe if you were at all even thinking about quitting smoking, <laughs> I would like to be a part of that. You know, because my resolution is to assist somebody in the change process. And I think that's an excellent way to go about it. You're not telling the person you got to quit. It's, if, if you're thinking about it, right. you can count me in, and, and, and I will assist you in this process. So now let's work out the plan of how this is going to work. And, and I think that that can greatly benefit both people. More football, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's <laughs> that's never a bad goal. <laughs> right. Um, you know, I, you know it, that's always a good goal. <laughs> <laughs> Dwayne Casara is with us from Directions for Youth and Families. What about uh, some sort of uh, group or family goal? Does that play into it sometimes? I think you can set any type of goals you want. And, and, and especially, you know, it's sometimes as people get older or start to have their own families, um, it, it, people start getting pulled in different directions. And um, it, you may start to lose some of that cohesiveness. And it, it'd be great even if you're around at the holidays and, 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 and you're, the whole family's going to say, we've got to commit to doing this. You can even do that with friends. Um, I, I know one person who decided I'm going to write a friend who I haven't been in contact with once a month. I'm going to find a new friend to write. I think these are great things because it's not taking a whole lot of time, um, and, and it certainly is an attainable goal. It does, and, and it made that first person feel good. So there, there can be some pretty simplistic things. What about in the workplace? Can an office manager uh, set goals, or is that a little presumptuous? No, I, I think in any setting, I, I don't think I don't think it really matters whether it's personal, whether it's professional. You can always set goals of, of um, what you want to change or or what you'd like to in, increase or improve on. Um, and once again, I think the process is it has to be specific. You have to be able to measure it somehow to be able to see that you're actually taking the, making these advances. Make sure that the target measurements are actually related to the goal um, and, and have some type of time element on it, too, so that, you know, there, if you just leave things open, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to stick with it. Um, but if you can maybe have some time elements or, or benchmarks and timetable of completing certain components of it, it doesn't have to all be completed at one time. And, and then try to just stick to those schedules. And if you're a little bit off on it, give yourself a break on it and just readjust it. If you do set goals that you end up, because uh, I, I think most people end up, especially if it's uh, something like weight loss or, or some of the really difficult issues that people face, they fail in the new year. And yet, there, I guess, I remember last year you were talking about to give yourself a break, build in some uh, some room for failure. Yeah, yeah. Not only not only let yourself off the hook there, but also build in some rewards. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the effort itself is very very important. The fact that you're even you know thinking about it and trying to make steps forward is very important. You should reward yourself. It, it shouldn't just be this negative thing the entire time. Um, and, and and so don't beat yourself up about it, and just stick to it. I mean, so if you fell off of your goal or whatever it is, then let's think, well, okay, how can I restructure this to be more successful and, and keep pushing forward? You can keep trying, and, and um, that that is personal motivation. You don't need anything else for that. You only need yourself for that, um, and, and that's one of the great things about it is because you're not dependent on anything else. But d- really, you have to give yourself a break. You're, uh, some of us are going to fail at some things. Don't set ourselves up for failure, and if we have to restructure the goal because maybe it was too big or too hard, mm-hmm. then do it. Taper it back and then give it a go again. 
What about uh, for parents and kids wrapping a, a resolution up into a way that's like a pact between the two? Is that something that can work? Yeah, I think you have to be careful sometimes with some of those because if somebody then uh, is like the, the weak you know, leg in the process, mm-hmm. um, you don't want to then come down on them. You, you don't want this thing to end up being this huge negative thing. And that, I think that's what happens. We set these resolutions, and the next thing you know, they become negative parts of our life. Right. And, and I don't think that that's what anybody wanted to do. Actually, what you're trying to do is maybe get away from some of the negative things that you're either feeling about yourself or thinking about yourself or, um, or even experiencing um, with yourself and try to make it more positive. You don't want these things to then contribute to that negatively. So you have to keep a positive focus on it and it's easy to do that if it's an individual i can't control your behavior i can only control mine Mm -hmm. um so anytime that you start doing it as a group deal you're going to start to run that risk it's okay i think you can do it but also understand the fact that that's going to be a part of the deal again Dwayne casaris with us from directions for youth and families what are some of the things uh that people can do to be more successful at this? You know, I think at, at times when you set a goal, you can have a pro and con list, and, and, and obviously you're, you probably think there's more pros to it because that's going to end up being the resolution of the goal that you're going to go after, and you can always pull that out to keep your motivation up because now you're just reminding you of yourself of why you decided to make this commitment. I think it's very helpful to talk to someone else about it um, mm-hmm. so it's not secret. So, you know, there's other people that know about it. They can assist you in the process of staying on your goal. Um, like we mentioned before, reward yourself tracking progress i think is huge you need to be able because sometimes we're not we life isn't structured so it's sensitive enough to pick up all the the changes that we might be making but even small changes are an advancement in the right direction so you want to make sure that you're tracking it so that you can at least see the gains even if they're small gains and like i said again even if you fall off don't beat yourself up about it stick with it and just keep trying Sometimes uh, writing, keeping a journal can be sort of therapeutic to somebody in their own way. And I would think that if you're actually keeping track of if you're losing weight or whatever you're trying to do, if you actually have a tangible list in front of you that shows your progress, that would have to help. And not only is that great with showing your progress, then you can see what led up to you being successful. But even if things start to not go the way that you want, you can also see, is there a pattern as to what is not helping me or what is not uh, uh, um, um, keeping me uh, on the goal uh, that I'm trying to attain? So it almost is an information uh, booklet of how to be successful and what hasn't worked for you. And the things that haven't worked, well, you know more now than you did before. So get those things out and let's build on those things that have been working. Probably the people who write books later about their success and then make all kinds of money and have done exactly that. <laughs> th- th- you know what? There, there are a lot of people out there that probably just have done that because they have found a way that works for them. But understand this. We're all wired differently, and what works for one isn't necessarily going to work for another person. So it's very difficult. It, it, partic- you brought up smoking before when somebody else said, well, I just quit cold turkey. And so then they look at you and like, what, what is this plan for this? Just quit cold turkey. I did it. You cannot lift up your own personal experiences and turn over and place them down on somebody else and expect the same thing. Um, so keep that in mind as well. It, it, everyone is going to be a little bit different. We are individuals, not objects. So stick with what is going to work for you. It may be helpful to learn what helped that other person, but that may not be the road that you end up having to take to your success. Again, Dwayne Casares, Directions for Youth and Families. If somebody out there has put as one of their resolutions to seek help, Yep. How do they go about it through your agents? Well, with us, they can, can check us out on the web and see what the, uh, all the programs that we have and the services we offer at dfyf.org. All right, Dwayne Casares again from Directions for Youth and Families. Thanks, Dwayne. Thank you, Dave.
This has been Columbus Perspective, a weekly public affairs presentation of the fan. Heard each Sunday morning at 6 on WBNS AM. That's 1460 ESPN Columbus. And Sunday morning at 7 on WBNS FM. Sports Radio 97.1 The Fan. Join us again next Sunday for Columbus Perspective.